Good morning. And welcome. Um, what I'll do is I'm going to give you just a, a little bit of a background of kind of what we've been doing and kind of catch up in about a minute on where we are. So just a refresher, you know, we've been focused on uh, being men of action. And if you remember, being action is it's just a cheat sheet for us, right? It's ACT. It's just to help us remember that life is all about abiding in Christ. So and that's loving, dwelling, remaining in Christ so that we can convoy the people in our lives the way Jesus did. So remember, convoy is serve, love, lead, protect, and then ultimately transfer that, that story, transfer what God's doing in our lives to other men, transition that so they can start to be men of action. So that's our theme for the year, and we're gonna. We've, we, I've, I'm loving this because it's been super. Uh, it's been a great reminder of really kind of what my purpose is in life here. And so we, when uh, we started the year with, we're still in abiding. Doug kind of talked about who's God, who's who's are we? Then we jumped into Puff gave us some great tips on abiding. And today, what I'm going to do is walk through the red thread that connects abiding and convoying, and that's this idea of being transformed, okay? And you'll see as we start to unpack it a little bit that it's kind of the undercurrent of that transition. Um, and if you're wondering why, I, I'll joke and make fun of myself, I kind of look hard and uh, road hard and hung up wet, and I probably sound even worse is because I'm in the middle of moving houses literally right now. I mean, yesterday we moved from Rogers to Bentonville. Uh, and if you've ever moved, and even though it's just a crosstown move, it is, it's a daunting task. Uh, and we are completely out of sorts. One, I don't even know where my iPad is, so I have my laptop up here. Which is fine because the Apple ecosystem, right? It's smart. It, it talks to each other. Two, I've got these the most beautiful white socks I've ever had, which are my father-in-law's because I'm living with them, and I didn't have socks. I forgot to have pack socks, and so I said, "Puff, do you have some socks?" Sure, and he comes out with none of them hatched. I had to get my mother-in-law to go back and uh, get me a pair that actually that actually worked. Nor, and now you know what? I didn't even really care. I think she saw me looking at and you know, one's this long, one's this long. I thought, okay. Um, so thankfully she saw it, or I'd have those on this morning. Um, but we're, when, you're, when you're in the middle of moving, you have to sell your house. And so, you know, we've been all hands on deck trying to get our house of 14 years ready to sell. And I was trying to be a good seller. I've been trying to, you know, update this. You know, we laid down some, put some, helped me put mulch down, laid down some side painted rooms, fixing doorknobs. Um, you know, mo- most of that is because you want to get the best value for your house. But some of it is like, I just kind of feel guilty. I knew I, I know, I've known I needed to fix that for a long time. So I can either pass that on to somebody else or I can Sometimes fix it. That's right. Well, I, we said that more than once. Um, and so one of the things that I knew I needed to fix was a thermostat upstairs. Put this on here to kind of get the... Um, I've had an old thermostat. We have two units. We have one big one for the house and I have a little media room upstairs. And I've done this before. And it was literally the evening before the inspector was coming at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so I thought, you know what? They're probably not going to make me fix this or change it because it works, but man, it is, it's sassy. It's sensitive. Like you get up there and it'll switch on you and doesn't quite hold the heat. I thought, I'm going to go ahead and fix that. 
So I go down, I flip the switch, uh, turn on the circuit, and uh, I, I'm very cautious with electricity. I'm not, you know, I kind of halfway know what I'm doing. So turn off the power, turn off the AC unit for upstairs. Go up there, and of course, I wasn't thinking. It's it's getting dark, so I'm, you know, I've got a flashlight in my mouth, and I'm, and they're pretty intuitive these days. If you've changed the thermostat, I mean, there's a handful of wires, but they're really good at label them, and so I'm I'm getting it all ready, and good, it's in the wall. Go downstairs, hit the AC unit, and of course, you can hear that subtle purr of the AC. So I'm thinking this is good, you know, this is just one more thing I don't have to worry about. Go to hit the power, power doesn't come on. So now this is this is uh, like nine o'clock at night. I have the inspector come in at eight in the morning. So I'm thinking, oh no, what's going on? So, and thankfully it's the one that has the reset. So hit reset, nothing. I think, oh gosh, what have I done? So I Google. Okay, what are some common things that can happen? Because Google knows everything, right? If it says it on the internet, it must be true. And so I'm, I Google and I'm looking at all the the normal things that can happen that are within my uh, skill set, and none of it works. So I'm thinking, dead gummit! Like I literally inspectors come in, the whole top of the house is powerless. Um, so I, I can't have that happen. So it must have been when I put that thermostat in there that I crossed a wire or something, because there are some loose wires and you clamp them off. And, you know, again, I've done this because I'm thinking, how hard can this be? So I go up and I undo the whole thing. I, you know, rip that thing back out of the wall, go back downstairs, no power. So um, now, thankfully, and we went, we went into the night, you know, I was, it was a nice little package of anxiety that came with that, but I uh, went into the night thinking this, it is what it is. Uh, I start phoning a friend. Finally, I found some electrician that could come in the middle of the inspection to turn that breaker, get that breaker fixed so they could finish it. But reason why I'm uh, the connection here is in the middle of all that, as I'm I'm diving into this idea of transformation, I'd already read this interesting parallel of thermostat versus thermometer. I don't know if you've heard this, but um, the idea is a thermostat sets the temperature of the environment, right? And that's what I was trying to do because that thermostat didn't do that. <laughs> it was like half worked. Uh, a thermometer reflects a temperature, I'm sorry, thermostat sets a temperature, a thermometer reflects the temperature of the environment. And there's a great spiritual parallel to transformation. Um, you know you're being more, uh, you're being transformed when you're more like a thermostat, when you reflect the temperature of the master. But I know that I'm more like a thermometer most of the time. That's where I organically go. That's my natural bent uh, because I often reflect the temperature of the world around me, my surroundings. And as I was diving into this, I was thinking, gosh, you know, because uh, what, tra- what is transformation? Just the change of your outer appearance? Uh, now, we're gonna, we know it's more than that, but what's the generic definition? Well, physically, you know, you're always like trying to exercise, build muscle, lose fat, grow your beard, cut your beard, change your hair. Professionally, new title, uh, bigger benefits, uh, more responsibility. Um, of course, this was convicting. Uh, personally, you know, new house, uh, better yard. You know, you're looking. So I'm an expert on transforming, but just not in the way that God intended. And so this was a very humbling uh, an important exercise for me. In fact, to be really honest, I kind of picked this because I didn't. I felt like I was underdeveloping this idea of transformation. Like I have heard it, I've read it in scripture, but 
it doesn't mean what I want it to mean to me. And so this has been a great personal journey. And I'm sorry that you get to hear my learnings and thoughts through this process, but I really had some questions around what does it mean to be transformed? So these are things I'm thinking about here. Why is it important? Why is this idea of transformation even important? What does it mean to be transformed? How long does it last? Because I have this sense that it's a process and processes are usually have long periods of time. Uh, What's my role? What's God's role in this idea? And then how do I know it's happening? So I may have great definition of what it is, why it's important, but how in the world do I know that I am being transformed into the image of God? So that's kind of the, that's the, those are the chapters. Let's, Let's just jump in. So why is transformation so important? Um, and this is what I learned. Transformation is us becoming what God originally intended for us. It's moving us toward the way we were originally created, which is kind of interesting if you think a timeline, right? Think of how we were originally created in the fall, but ultimately we're trying to go back to that because we started in His image. And you can go into Genesis 1, 27 through 28. And as you say, God created mankind in His own image. Right, And then he went on to say, be fruitful and increase in number. I love how Doug Rains puts it. He says, God you know, created man, and then he stepped back and said, I'm happy with my work. You know, I want more of you. Kind of do. I love that idea. And so Adam and Eve were created to be image bearers of God. They had unique status. They had divine dignity as human beings. They were set apart. So we started as image bearers. And it's actually even deeper. I read some great stuff around, you know, it's accurate to say we're image bearers, but it's more so. We're actually created, he created man in his image. Think about this. Humankind, we were made as copies of the creator. That's going to be important when we talk about transformation in the fall. And so, you know, we, it's, it's beyond what man bears, it's what man is. It's what we are, Okay. But then the fall changed everything. And so there's a lot of discussion on what happened there. Well, we didn't lose his image. Uh, It didn't destroy the fact that we were a a bearer of his image. It just disfigured it. It distorted it. Uh, And so suddenly Adam and Eve were disconnected from God. They had lost fellowship. They were rejected because they were full of shame. They, for the first time, saw darkness. And what's, what's, what's promising for us... It's, it's only because we, are, we retain God's image uh, and, and ha- is, is why redeeming, and it's why we're worth redeeming. It's because God has, a, has an opportunity to, to evolve us, to transform us back into His image. And so that's, to me, the motivation behind that. So inner transformation. So why is transformation so important? First question, it's the process of getting us back to where we were originally created how we were originally created. Okay. Second question, what does it mean to be transformed into the image of God? And for me, I've got some little, some markers I'm going to show you. When I'm thinking about something that is a continuum, it really is helpful for me to see the beginning and the end. It is very difficult for me to jump in the middle and have any kind of perspective or context. So what I thought I'd try to do, if I was trying to do for myself and it was helpful is give you some A, B, points so we can understand what trends, what transformation looks like. Okay. And so let's start with darkness to light. 
Okay, so darkness to light. And there's, uh, there's three scriptures. Ephesians 5, 8. So it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light of the Lord, light in the Lord, live as children of light. So it's our choice to live in the light. So AKA abiding in Christ, right? To live in light, to live in, and Jesus is the light. Uh, so going from darkness to light. John 9, 5 says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And again, we're made as copies of Christ, right? So we are, we should follow his lead. We're to follow the light. Again, the transition from darkness to light because we're born in darkness. Um, John twelve thirty six. He says, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. So believing in the light, but he says, believe in me, abide in me. Um, and ultimately, um, you will start to become more like me. You'll become the, the copy of me that you, I created you to be, the mirror of me. Uh, in fact, I love Rick Warren. He says, we can't be light of the world if we're not plugged in. And it's such, such a simple thing. It's like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can't. If we're not plugged in, where's the light? Okay, so darkness to light. Okay, second one would be earth. Thank you for the, the castle kingdom reference earlier. Uh, earth to heaven or castle to kingdom. To Colossians 3, 1 through 2, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. He goes on to say, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So we're instructed to set our mind on the things above, on heaven, on kingdom things, not on earth. So the, the progression is earth to heaven, castle to kingdom. Matthew six nineteen through 21, he said, do not hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or even worse, stolen. He said, Stock, stockpile your treasure in heaven. Of course, he goes on to say where your treasure is there, you know, says that's the place you're going to want, most want to be and you'll end up being. So we're to reprioritize our focus from earthly things to heavenly things. Philippians 3.19 says their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. So again, we no longer belong to earth. Okay, so it's like, do you ever go back somewhere where you're from or where you've lived and it just doesn't make sense anymore? It's not as comfortable. Well, that's the way we're supposed to feel as followers of Christ is, you know, the more we kind of hover around the earth, the world shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't feel comfortable. And that's where that's called the Holy Spirit. That's when you get that. Hey, Blake, wake up, buddy. You know, how are you doing? Uh, because we ha we're a new we're citizens of heaven at this point because we've chosen to follow the Lord. OK, that's the second one. Earth castle. Third one, old self to new self. I'm going to only give you four. There's really, this is endless. There's a ton, but it kind of shows you the progression. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And it goes on to say, put on the new self created to be like God. Again, the old self is disfigured. It's it's broken, right? Uh, it's corrupted. So that's why he's saying, I'm giving you a chance to become new, to put on the new self, uh, to refresh. Romans 6.6, 6, 
For what we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because we are copies of God, um, you know, he was sent to redeem us, we, to die for the old self. Um, he, he was crucified. He crucified himself for us so we didn't have to live with the old self. So we could actually go from left to right. It's only because of Jesus that we're able to do that. And I'll go on into the, the last one. Image of world, image of Christ. That uh, last one's Colossians 3, 5, and 10. It's the one that says, uh, whatever belongs to your earthly nature or your old self. And it goes on to say, put on the new self. We literally are putting on the new self. Our earthly nature is, is to be put to death. And then the last kind of stakes, A and B, just so you can see the continuum, uh, moving from the image of the world to image of Christ. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So I think it's important. We've talked about this. We have a very strategic and calculated enemy who wants us to be image bearers of the world. And again, that's my that's the thermometer syndrome. That's me. He wants me to be much more a reflection of the world. He doesn't want me to be the thermostat where I reflect what the master puts, says. First uh, Corinthians fifteen forty nine says, And just as we have, bo- have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So again, we were born earthly. We bear the image of Christ. And the last one's Romans eight twenty nine. For those... God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It says, God, he predestined for us to be conformed into the image of Christ. You know, he knew, uh, I mean, he, this is kind of that discussion of how did he know uh, that we were going to sin? And, um, you know, when, we, when the fall happened, he knew that was going to happen. And so he wants us to spend our lifetime going from, le- from left to right. This idea of being transformed. So what does it mean to be transformed? It's moving from the left side to the right side. Okay. Um, now, notice all the language is around being transformed, not been transformed or any kind of past tense or uh, it's, uh, it happens somewhere. It, it clearly looks like it's a process. So my question is, well, how long does this process last? I mean, is this uh, in my 20s, 30s, 40s, or is this a lifetime? Is this a what's going on here? And so you do a little digging, and you can start in 1 John 3, 2. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Here's the key. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So the answer is the process last our lifetime or when Christ appears, whichever comes first. We literally will spend the rest of our lives or until the Lord comes home or comes to, to build his kingdom, um, uh, becoming, being transformed into his image. And when that happens, he says, we shall be like him. We shall be like he originally created us, that copy that we talked about. Okay, so what's our role? We kind of know a little bit of why is it important? Uh, what does it mean? 
how long does this last? So what's the role we have versus what's God's role? Very important question for me. Um, cause you know, I, I sometimes tend to think, well, I must be in charge of my transformation. So what can I do? How can I mu- muscle my way through this or earn my way into this? So Romans 12, one through two, he says, so here's what I want you to do. And some of these are messages, some of are NIV. I, I'm all over. I use lots of different, uh, passages. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture, thermometer, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. So that's abiding, right? That That's living in, in God. That's dwelling, remaining in God. And then the back half of the verse, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, being of the world, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you, transformation. So if we will fix our attention on God abiding, he will bring out the best in us. He will transform us. He will develop us. So it's pretty simple. We do the abiding. He does the transforming. It's that simple. Um, Being transformed is only possible when we are abiding in Christ. Only possible. That's why it's the red thread. That's why you can't, I can't muster up the energy to convoy better because the reality is convoying only happens when I'm abiding and transformation is that thread. Um, and what's cool, what's cool about this is he promises it. He says, what John 15, 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will be transformed. So all we have to do is remain in him. All right, let's come last, last section here. So how do you know? How do you know that you're being transformed? Well, you know you're being transformed when you start to convoy like Jesus did, when you start to love people and see people the way Jesus sees them. When you see through his eyes, internal transformation, because he talked that last scripture talked about change from the inside out, internal transformation gets externally manifested as love. There's no coincidence in that. That's his, that's his great commandment, right? To love the Lord and to love your neighbor. Um, and so what's amazing is that when we're being transformed, we just see people differently. And I mean, I am a, it is, that is my life. That is, that's all summed up in kind of one phrase of, I know when I look at my family uh, the right way, I am abiding in Christ. I am, uh, I am dwelling in him. And when I look at folks the wrong way, I'm off track. It's a really simple litmus test for me. Um, he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18, he talks about, he said, they turn the face to God uh, and, and see, as Moses did, God removed the veil. Uh, skip some of this. They suddenly recognized that God is a living personal presence, not a stone. And if you read them down, it goes on to say, and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. So here's the key. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. So that's when we dwell in him, our lives become more beautiful and brighter and we become like him. We become that copy, that, that, that original idea of us from the very beginning. All right, so we talked about why is it important? What does it mean to be transformed? How long does it last? What's my role? What's God's role? 
how does how do I know this is actually happening? So I'm going to close with something that's more practical. I mean, that's practical, but it's again transformation. That's a big it's a big concept. Um, I'm going to put on this. Everybody remember the easy button? That was easy. In fact, I've, I've, we actually had one. It's like you could punch it when you wanted to. That was easy. What was this? Uh, Office Depot. Staples. Staples. You know what? But I'm moving. Did I say that? <laughs> I'm moving. Sleep is optional these days. I'm here. What did I say? <laughs> Thank you. Staples. It says it on the screen. Um, that was easy. Yeah, that's good. Um, I want to give you something practical that's, that is, to me, a lot like the easy button. And bear with me here. When you find yourself moving from right to left, not left to right. When you find yourself moving back towards darkness, uh, back towards being an image of the world, uh, et cetera, then hit the repent button, okay? And I'll tell you, this word, this idea has been transformed in my mind because when I think of repent or repenting, I always focus on the sin. And what I've learned is it is a mind word, repent. Uh, it's choosing to turn our mind toward God, okay? Well, heart follows as you tell your mind. It is. It does. It it directly impacts the heart. Um, But it's a bit of a refresh button. And you know what? You don't have to. You can use it anytime you want. So it's not an emotional decision. That's what's important here. It's making a mental U-turn and deciding to focus on Jesus. It has, no, has nothing to do with our behavior. So you hear people talk about think, feel, act. Well, repent. Repent is choosing to think, to focus on God. Again, it's a mind word. So that you will start to feel and ultimately behave in the right way. Okay, there's a progression. Um, it's deciding to put your trust in Jesus in that moment. Okay, so the second you feel the tug the wrong way, or you find yourself chasing the wrong thing, we all have the easy button. Okay, hit repent, decide to just turn. It's an about face. And if you have to stand up and literally do a ninety or one eighty, do it. Whatever, whatever works. So it's it's moving from guilt to forgiveness, from dark to light. Um, from being an image of the world to becoming an image of Christ. And so what's what's interesting for me, and this is a, this is very powerful, this visual. I'm, I'm big on images. You probably see I always have crazy pictures behind me. So here's the reality. When we were born, sin is that fire truck. We're attached, okay? No matter how strong we think we are, we're not pulling that fire truck. We're not going to pull that sin all the way to Christ. It's impossible. The second you decide to follow the Lord, He severs that rope. But you know what I do? I do what the other guys does. I go back and grab the rope, and I start pulling. I'm not, tech, I'm not connected to it. It's not, I don't have to do that. But for some reason, as a thermometer, I tend to go back and, and grab a hold of the things that the world tells me to grab a hold of. And so what I've learned through this process is I cannot pull that to God. I have to let go. I have to, turn, I have to repent. I have to decide to do the about face. I cannot hold on to God and the sin at the same time, right? Because the sin's not budging. God's not going to have anything to do with it. 
So it's my choice to either repent and then do the about face, or I can hold on to that as long as I want, but that's not, there will be no transformation happening during that process. And so I'm going to leave you with a couple of questions. Question number one is, what are you holding on to that is preventing you from being transformed? And not the guy on the left, we're the people on the right. We know the Lord. He's already severed the rope. So we've turned around and grabbed it, and we're focusing on the wrong things. And the second question is, not that one. Well, I don't know where the second question is, but it was something to do with transformation. Um, it was, uh, what was my second question? I thought I'd put it in that slide. Well, this is a good one. This can last uh, the rest of the, the time. <laughs> Um, and if I had any uh, brain cells left, then I would remember the second question. Um, yeah, okay. So I guess in summary, you know, transform, being transformed is an awesome thing. Um, it's a process. Uh, it's a process to get us back to where the way God created us in the first place. Uh, and it starts to make it a little more tangible, makes it a little bit, I can feel it, you know, understand it a little bit better. Uh, but right at this point, as believers, as followers, we oftentimes choose to to hold on to the the world. Uh, I, that's me. We often, I'm often the thermometer. And so this the whole the whole question for the group is: How can we be more of a thermostat? How can we better reflect the temperature of the master uh, as he sets it? Um, so I will close this in prayer, and we can break out into our groups. Lord, thank you for Friday mornings. Uh, this was a tough one for me, uh, but like like we said earlier, we're here and then you do the rest. So I just pray that that um, you bring this idea to life of what it means to be transformed, that you help us to realize that that is, is simply us becoming what you created us to be and that it is a choice to focus on you, uh, to dwell in you, to abide in you. So God, bring that idea to life. Make it real and tangible. And I just uh, I thank you for what you're doing in, in Convoy and through each foxhole and in each men's uh, life, uh, mind, uh, behavior, and heart, Lord. So thank you for your blessings. Today we pray. Amen.